All right, a question to begin our time. Does your family get your best? Does your family get your best? So I'm going to continue the theme of abiding from last week and bring it into this very important question about does our family get our best? Last week we talked about this great truth that Jesus lays forth in John 15, a picture even of a vine and a branches, and a branch that bears great fruit. Actually, different kinds of branches. Some branches are disconnected from the vine, and they don't bear good fruit, and that's not a place we want to be. All branches that do bear fruit, Jesus says, are pruned. They're cut back so that they can bear more fruit. And all of us have been pruned back in this season. We can feel it. There's been a, a removal, a cutting, a trimming, a ripping away of a normal life or the normal life that we knew as far as how we're able to spend our time, our effort, our energy. There's been a very significant pruning back that we've all experienced. But we look to the hopeful reality that is in God. And Jesus said, when we are pruned, God wants to do a work. He wants to do a work where we learn how to abide in him, to grab hold of the nutrients as we are that branch, and we are abiding in him, we're connected to him, the vine, if we can learn to live from that place of abiding, then our reality, God's will, is more and better fruit. And so the challenge last week was to look at this season, as unwanted as it may have been, look at this season from God's perspective, which is that it's a divine opportunity to learn how to abide well and to establish good rhythms in our life where we abide in the vine. As the branch, we take that posture of our heart that says, I need you, God. I can't bear any good fruit without you, like Jesus said. So I want to learn how to stay connected to you, to live connected to you, and to establish good rhythms in my life so that I bear good fruit. And as I get let out of this pruning time, which we hope and believe is coming soon, we will have established better rhythms, good, healthy rhythms for abiding with Jesus, living connected to him, and therefore living and bearing good fruit in our lives. And today is a, a very similar message. It's connected to it or an aspect uh, uh, of abiding Connected to abiding, excuse me, <laughs> that there is a, a connection to abiding with Jesus. Another important rhythm to be established that's connected and like it, and that is putting our family first. Making our family our first ministry. 
it is in fact one of the good fruits of abiding well. If you grab onto that picture of Jesus that Jesus spoke of, where we learn how to stay connected to him. He is the vine, we are the branches. There's this relationship that happens where it's God first, stay connected to God, and then we will bear good fruit. And what we're going to see in God's word today is, and our family is meant to get our best fruit. That our family gets our first fruit of abiding. And it's this very interesting time for our church. Part of what is the the divine season that I'm seeing here is we were on the cusp of something very fruitful, something outwardly fruitful within our church family. We started the year and, and we believed that God had given us vision that said this is going to be a year that is outwardly fruitful we will see a harvest come in we will see salvations and we saw that God had positioned us to to be in the city and to have relationships and many of them they just they had the true sense of God's favor is upon us and that God's positioning us for his harvest to be a part of his harvest in this city and seeing his kingdom advance. Like this week on, on Thursday, we were supposed to be hosting the Menifee Interfaith Council National Day of Prayer and, and <laughs> most of the leadership of the city is going to be in this building. The mayor is going to be in this building and the city council is going to be in this building and many city leaders are going to be in this building and we are going to have the great privilege to host them, to pray for them, as God's word says, to honor our leaders by praying for them and and seek the, the welfare and the prosperity of our city as God's word calls us to. And as God's word says it, as the city prospers, we will prosper. So we have a heart to bless the city. That was a great opportunity coming this Thursday. It was. <laughs> or even a few weeks ago, we were supposed to be out there in the city of Menifee out on the, uh, the, the Menifee uh, Arts Festival, the Music and Arts Festival, and, and our band got selected to be one of the only local, or the only local band to be on the main stage and to share that stage and, and have that positive message of our band out there am- amongst the community. And those are just a couple things that come to mind. It's like God was positioning us on our journey with him is to be a positive influence out in the city, and we believe that a, that a harvest of his kingdom was coming. And we're certainly not the only church. We're connected here to a lot of churches, and we believe that, as I talk to other pastors and we pray together, a lot of churches just have a, a good, healthy sense of God's working in them, positioning them to be a part of what his spirit ultimately wants to do to see his kingdom advance in this city, and that's what we want to be a part of. But then COVID happened and all this got pulled the plug. It was like all these things that were coming and rolling and, and healthy momentum and the, the united prayer and unity in our church and on, the, on our board and the vision in our staff and the leadership teams and even amongst other churches and just this really good, positive momentum in 2020 to kick it off and then bam, it's all like the plug got pulled. And honestly, I had to grieve that loss a bit. It's like, 
It, 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 it felt like the most healthy, unified, positive momentum our church has ever had. I was like, man, we're, we're rolling. We're about to see a waterfall of, of the harvest of God's kingdom taking place in us, through us, advancing. So then it's like, whoa, boom, you can't even gather. So honestly, there was a, a grieving of that loss of like, oh, that, that's not what we were planning for 2020. But as we've been, I've been processing through that with my wife and I, and we've been praying about, well, so what's the sense? What is God doing? And how do we respond? And talking with others on our leadership team. I mean, in, in some ways, it's not complicated. We can just go back to the truth of God's word that all of his promises are yes in Christ. And so they might not be on the timing we were hoping, and they might be delayed, but God is still on the throne. So all of his promises remain true. His heart and will for our church and for this city remains the same. And yet now we have a divine opportunity. In the meantime, while this season of pruning back is still upon us and we, we just have to deal with it, let's deal with it well. So let's use this unsolicited time of pruning to abide in God, as we talked about last week, and to even further put things in proper alignment. And flowing right out of last week, as I said at the beginning, the next kind of step of when we're abiding well personally with God, the next step is to put your house in order and make sure that your family is getting your first fruits. Make sure your family is your first ministry. And that that, in the long run, is only going to help us. That's only going to bless us. As we believe God is going to use us, and we still believe that absolutely, that God is going to use this church and other churches in the valley to bring in his harvest, there is a divine opportunity right now to just further solidify the health in our homes, to get our homes in order, to let our families be the recipients of our first ministry, and that we just put that more in order so that when the time comes to go out and be fruitful outward, it's coming from that much more of a healthy place, according to God's word. And let's see it right here. 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 5 says this. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer, a leader in God's church, desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household... How can he take care of God's church? This is where that question comes. Does our family get our best? God's word challenges us and says, if we want to be leaders, it starts in our home. Are we managing our household well? In other words, is our family getting our best? 
is our family getting our first fruits of our abiding and connectedness to God. Because it's meant to flow from us to God and fruitfulness out into our family where our family is our first ministry. Our family gets our best. We manage our household well. It's a good word from God's word. And I couldn't help but, but think of it this week because it's so connected to abiding. It's just, just, it, it is a healthy flow outwards. It starts connected with us and God. And if we're connected to God well, if we're abiding well, if we're living as the branch in the vine and bearing fruit, it has a very natural outflow. And God's word says it's first to our family. And so I couldn't help but, but, but know that that was the next message to remind us, to challenge us in this time. As we're working on abiding, as we're working on establishing those healthy rhythms right now of getting connected and staying connected to Jesus in this time, that right flowing out of that and the next step is and establish those rhythms that our family gets our best. And we know, I know that a lot of people are, are inundated with family time right now. I mean, it's, it's kind of the, the source of many jokes on, on social media right now is just how much family time and there's a lot of funny stuff out there. Um, all of us have, have <laughs> increased our family time. I don't, I don't know anybody who, who hasn't. There is just so much family time right now. And that's, that's a good thing, I believe. It's one of those divine resets that in opposition to our culture and the way that our culture was taking us, this is a great opportunity right now to have that divine reset, to recalibrate along with God's heart of just the incredible value of family and family time. There's, there is ample opportunity right now to establish rhythms. So lots of us have family time right now. I mean, we, we, we've all got... <laughs> Probably more than we've had in maybe our lifetime. But the, the challenge is, the question is, because that's, that's not going to all last, especially for those whose jobs have, have significantly changed or working from home or, or you're laid off right now. And those things are going to change and we're going to get back to work. So the challenge is, what can we learn right now? What kind of rhythms, similar to abiding just with God, what kind of rhythms and connection points can we establish right now that remain, that just become part of our normal way of life? Now's a good time to experiment. Now's a good time to test things out. What is a fruitful way of connecting? Like right now, we've been, we've been trying a lot of just game time, extra game time. In my mind, it's been every day, just make sure I'm getting that connection time, a little bit outside, a little bit inside. Not hitting it every day, but that's the goal. So the weather's nice, opened up, so make sure we're getting outside and, and, and playing. Smash ball and football have been the, the two games of choice for whatever reason. I mean, it's, I got kids that are 8, 13, 17, and then my wife and I, and so to find games that all of us enjoy is, is kind of hard. So smash ball, who knew smash ball would be one? And, and football is, is one as well. We've been enjoying tossing that around. So we try. We're like, hey, trying to make it work. And, you know, it usually lasts for like at least three minutes. 
before somebody gets a football in the face on purpose or a, a smash ball paddle goes flying or, or uh, there's tears and, and things. And, and we, okay, we, we tried. We, we honored the Lord today. We played with family. But we're trying. We're saying, what are those rhythms that we can establish? Game time. What does it look like to play family games? Just to turn off the screen and say, let's connect together. And man, I got a recommendation for you. Your life's about to get a whole lot better. I found at Target this week this game called Don't Step In It or something like that. Try not to step in it. So, so think about what this game is. Try not to step in it. Yes, it was created by an eight-year-old for an eight-year-old. I guarantee they had a little test group of like six to nine-year-olds, and they're like, hey, what are fun games? Well, what about poop? <laughs> Let's play with poop. And that's exactly what it was. And as soon as I saw it on the shelf, I'm like, oh, my kids are going to love this. And so there's this game right now. We played it this week, two nights ago, I think, where you set out this little, uh, you know, plastic game, game board, and it simulates grass. And you get Play-Doh, and you have a little molding thing, and you get to simulate dog poop. And then you put a blindfold on, and you spin, and you, you figure out how many steps you have to take in the grass and the point of the game is, whoever steps in the least amount of dog poop wins. I mean, man, my life was, was missing something and, until then. And so we tried to play that. And it was <laughs> interesting. That's not going to be one of our normal family rhythms, I don't think. But here's my point. We have a lot of opportunity right now to explore and experiment and see what works. Maybe it's with just one kid at a time. Maybe it's with several if you've got them. Maybe spouse included or not. Maybe it's just you and your spouse. I've heard of some right now, you know, spouses who are increasing the time and taking walks together or doing 40-day devotional together. The point is, what does it look like in your family to make family your first ministry? And right now, Look to the long run of, I want to establish increased rhythms and successful connection points that I can take with me and just make part of my new normal of living out family first. How is it that you connect with your family well in a fruitful way? It could be the family walk time, the family get out into the park, the family game time, meal time, prayer time. Maybe it's a couple kids at a time. Maybe it's the whole crew, whatever it may be. Family Sabbath is huge. Now's that time to honor God's word and say one day a week we do no work. We do what we want to rest together, to play together, to enjoy the, the blessing of God's provision and kindness and goodness. Enjoy the day as an act of worship. Do what you want to do. So huge that God called us to live from a Sabbath rest. Now is a great time to establish that family rhythm of Sabbath rest. In all of those things, this is where it's going. Now we have an opportunity to establish good rhythms, not only personal rhythms of abiding with God, staying connected with God so that our lives bear fruit, but now letting that flow right into our family, let our fruitfulness flow into our family, and also establish those same type of abiding rhythms for our family that produce fruitful family time. 
and that, so that we live out the reality that family is our first ministry. Because that's a rhythm God wants us to live in for the rest of our days and to never get beyond that, never forget it, never forsake it, that family is our first ministry. Let me define here for clarity's sake the biblical worldview of family. It's a broad term. It includes multiple generation of blood relatives. It can even include close friends, friends, maybe some extended family, usually all living in close proximity, usually partnering together for the same family business. It was this extended family on a mission together. It's where we get the language of we want to be a family on mission as a church. And the Greek word for that word family is oikos. It means household. It means home, family. It's used right here in, in 1 Timothy 3.5, and that's where the charge come from, comes from, to manage your household well. Manage your oikos. Manage your household. It's not just saying, you know, like a wife and 2.3 kids. Manage your household. This is talking about that, that crew that extended clan that lives together, that does life together. So maybe you're not married. Maybe you don't have kids. You still have an oikos. You've got a crew of who you do life with, and that's what it's talking about. Who are those people that you, you've, you've covenanted together? You've made a, a, a formal or informal kind of relational agreement. Hey, we do life together. We go on mission together. That's the household. That's that oikos. And so that's what this, this, this passage is talking about. It's that we would establish healthy rhythms within our whole household. That our family, our household, gets our best, gets our first fruits, and that we learn how to establish healthy rhythms of fruitfulness as a household together. Jesus does this. I want to take us to Jesus a bit because he's always awesome. But Jesus lived in this mindset powerfully. He wasn't married. He, he didn't have kids, but he had family. He had that oikos. He had that household. And he still lived with that biblical worldview of it's family first. Family gets the first fruits of ministry. Let's check it out. In Mark chapter 3, 13 to 15 and 20, it says, Jesus went up on the mountain and he called to him those whom he wanted, he got to pick his oikos. He got to pick his extended family. He got to pick that household, which is part of the reality is that when we are, some you don't get to pick, they're your blood relatives, but then there's this picture of who are you doing life with? Who's your tribe? Who's your family on mission? And there's opportunity here, as Jesus says, you can pick. Who are those life-giving relationships that God's called you guys to do life together to be that extended spiritual family and do mission together. So Jesus, it says right here, he picked those whom he desired, and they came to him. He appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out. That's relationship and mission. That's family with purpose. Do you see what the language is? He called them so that they might be with him. That's, that's just relationship. That's life-giving relationship. 
That's part of why he called them together. He's establishing a healthy household. He called them so that they might be with him and that he might send them out. Two very important dynamics of a healthy family, a healthy household, relationship and purpose. And then, I have never seen this before until this week. What is, how does verse 20 conclude this passage? After he calls it 12, what does it say? Then he went home with them. That's the implication. Then he went home. He called his, his extended oikos, his household, his family to himself for relationship, for mission, and then they went home. They went home. It's the same word that's in 1 Timothy 3 when it says you must manage your own family well, your own home. It's the same word. It's oikos, household, family, home. It's all the same biblical picture and worldview. So Jesus took his household and they went home. And what happens next? A little bit later in Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus giving the first fruits of his ministry to his family, his oikos, his household. Check this out, Mark chapter 4, verse 33. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to the crowds as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, his oikos, his household, his family, he explained everything. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd. They took him with them in the boat. Jesus got away with family. Jesus took private time. He lived with them. They were his household. He gave them that first fruits of, here's, here's my best stuff. Here's my insights into the kingdom of God. And even within that household, there was, there was a core inner circle. So if, you, if you've got that extended kind of picture of your tribe, if you're married and got kids, they're your inner circle, maybe a best friend or two. But even Jesus models this. Watch. In Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 9, it says, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he led them up high on a mountain by themselves. In other words, the rest of Jesus' oikos wasn't invited to that particular time. It was this very, very close crew. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one could see. It's this incredible picture of, wow, Jesus reveals his glory. He shares the very best of his fruitfulness of being connected with God with his closest family. I mean, this is the most intense revelation of who Jesus is. He's glowing white. This is like the revelation picture of Jesus in all his glory, the glory that's coming. 
And, and, and the father says, this is my beloved son. I mean, we're talking about an intimate moment. We're talking about this is Jesus abiding in God. This is Jesus showing his connectedness to God, the fruitfulness of how connected he is to God. And it's not a coincidence that he shares that fruit, the best fruit, the most intimate fruit, with his family first, with his closest, his closest. He saved the best for his family, or his family got his best. And as he's coming down the mountain, what does Jesus say to them? Verse 9, he says, don't tell anyone about this. He saved his best. He gave his best to his closest family. If you put all this in a picture, what you see Jesus and we're going to show a little picture here. It's in the lift notes if you want to download it or remember it. All of these relationships that Jesus had, his circles of ministry, if you will, you can put this in a picture and you see Jesus living out the reality that family is your first ministry. These are concentric circles and at the very, very center of Jesus' world is his relationship with the Father. His best, best rhythms of abiding are with the Father. He puts the Father first above everybody. And he models that for us. We've talked about that a lot. That's what all of last week was. How Jesus would often get alone to pray. He would leave everybody. He would say, there are times when none of you are allowed to be with me. I just need to get alone. He created this sacred space of retreat. To say, I, I need to be alone to connect with the Father. And all of us need that. To prioritize in our hearts, there is no greater relationship in life than God. He is our first ministry. He is our number one priority. To cultivate that connectedness to God. Through times of being alone where it's just you and God. Jesus models that all over the place. And out of that, what's next? What do you see from abiding in, in, in the Father's love and staying connected to the Father? What's next? He's got these relationships. Peter, James, and John, who he saves his very best for. Revelations of goodness and kindness and of the kingdom and his fruitfulness and his prayer life and all of his great fruit he gives to his family first. And then out from there, he's got the twelve. And then out that he would still call his oikos, his household, his family. And then out from there, there's a 70 that he sends out. Out from there, there's crowds. And you see this, this outward progression. But Jesus models that his first ministry is his family. So I encourage you to take a look at that picture and just see how Jesus is modeling for us these circles of ministry, these circles of relationship where you can't help but to see God's word and to see the reality of how even Jesus models for us saving our best fruit, giving our best fruit to our family and letting it strengthen our family, letting it make us into this little army of warriors that then can go out on mission and see the kingdom advance family doesn't get the leftovers in jesus's world they get his best 
And that's what takes us back to 1 Timothy 3. I want to read it one more time. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be a leader in God's church, an overseer, does a a noble task. And then some specifics. And then just this word, verse 4, he must manage, lead, take care of his own household, just like Jesus did. He must take care of his own household well and see that his children obey him and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. That's that's talking about coming from the children. So you can get your children to obey you, but they might not respect you. And that's no good in God's eyes. You can force obedience But if you've lost them along the way, you've missed the point. Wow, that's a strong verse. If anyone does not know how to lead, manage, take care of his own oikos, that's the word, it's a word all over for Jesus, his own oikos, his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Does your family get your best? Oh, this this passage is challenging. It's both accountability and freedom. If you have desire, the desire to use your gifts and passions to serve God, to see God's kingdom advanced out in the world, God says, that's a good thing. But first, get your house in order. Now, this passage never says, be perfect, have the perfect family, have the perfect marriage, the perfect kids. Nobody has any of that. It says to lead, to manage, to take care of your household well. Or they get your best. They get your first fruits. I think Jesus is the perfect example of those, at those, those circles of relationship. This is not about having it all together. This is not about having perfection in your marriage or your kids or your relationships. This is about having things prioritized and in order. Where they get your best fruit. And that life flows from there. You abide in God. You pass that first fruit onto your family. And you strengthen the family. And you move outward on mission from there. So there's, there's kind of two sides to this coin for me that I see in it. And as I mentioned, there's a side that's a strong, high level of accountability. And there's a side that is beautiful freedom. So the accountability is, is what we've been really seeing so far. That it's, it's a call that if we desire to go and serve and do great things for God and see God's kingdom advance through us and, and to have our gifts and passions used to glorify God in the world, in the church and outside, that's great. But there's an accountability where God's word says, but be careful, if your house is a mess, stop. Put your house in order. And then, then come and serve in the church and out into the world. And it's a strong accountability, but it all makes sense when you look at it, when you see it in Jesus' life, that ministry starts in the home and is meant to flow outward. That ministry done in the church and in the world should just be an authentic overflow of what's already going on in your home. 
That's a a healthy accountability from God's word that we don't do things out in the world that we don't do for our own family. That any ministry that goes on is the overflow of what we've already given to and established in our home. And when there's good rhythms, good fruit, good abiding that's established there, then take it outward. Take it outward and share it with others. And on the other side of the coin, so I was a high level of accountability, there's also a high level of freedom. Because if you are serving and you're doing important things and you're meeting real needs of people, but then someone in your inner family, your inner circle, that, that, that close oikos that God has given you to manage, to steward, to take care of well, if someone's going through a particularly hard battle, or you can sense that, man, they, they're going through a tough time, they need, some, they need some extra love, they need some extra attention, they need some extra boundaries, whatever it is, that right here in God's Word, it gives you permission, it gives you freedom to back off of your public outward ministry in order to take care of your family. God's word gives us permission to prioritize our home, our household, our family as our first ministry. So if at times we need to say no to other good things out there, that is okay. And in fact, in the right season, it honors God. That family, spouse, children are not meant to be sacrificed on the altar of ministry. They are to be our first ministry. And Jesus gives us beautiful permission. I just want to close with one practical sense of how to put this into action. There's an interesting verse in Colossians 3.21. speaks to fathers. I think it's applicable to parents, to leaders, really, in general. It says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. That's a strong word. There's a deep underlying truth for me in it that I hear in it. It says, fathers, mothers, leaders, know the spiritual pulse of those that you lead so that you can respond with a nuanced, in-step alignment with the Holy Spirit. I love that challenge. Because man, if there's one thing that I've learned in 17 plus years of being a parent, it is that cookie-cutter parenting doesn't work. Cookie-cutter leadership doesn't work. You can have all your principles, and you can have values, and you can have rules, and we should have all of those things, but just like if you're leading a company or you're managing your household, to have these cookie-cutter rules and policies that are just blanketly applied with no nuance, no relationship, no attentiveness to the Holy Spirit, what does that do? That often exasperates people so they lose heart. 
because it misses the vibrant, living, active relationship that you have with that person and that God has with that person. And that's where this challenge come for, comes from in Colossians, where it says, fathers, don't exasperate your children so they lose heart. That word lose heart, disheartened, dispirited, broken in spirit. That sometimes we can, in our own immaturity or our own frustration, and I do this at times more times than I want, or I just try to apply the rule. <clears throat> but it can be just the misapplied rule in the moment because my pulse isn't on where are they actually at right now. And we apply it. And we apply it too hard or too strict or too stringently, not aware of the spirit. And what does it do? It breaks their spirit. It exasperates it doesn't bring life. And that's the positive side of it. Our goal, our calling as parents, as leaders, as managers of our household is to bring those under our leadership fully alive. And that humbles, that's got to humble us to say, it can't just be rules applied. It's got to be that we have the pulse on everyone that we're leading. The pulse of how are they actually doing enough to where now I can be led by the Spirit for what they actually need in the moment that will bring them more fully alive. And I'm not saying in any way that you abandon rules, values, boundaries. You've got to have them. But it's about this passage is the application. It's a strong, healthy challenge as leaders to take it to that next level of managing your household well by being so in tune with their pulse and in tune with what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do, because the Holy Spirit is the ultimate discipler of our children, the ultimate leader of our households. It's about being so connected that sometimes you surprise yourself where you're like, nope, the rule says this, but the Holy Spirit is saying this because my child is right here right now and here's what they need. This one's about learning to be dependent on the Spirit. So if you're ready for kind of that next level challenge that is going to be a challenge till the day we die, it's are you growing in awareness of knowing each and every one of your precious family, your household, your oikos, do you know the pulse of right where they're at right now? Not just what they're doing, but how they're doing so that you can get in line with the Spirit and help bring them fully alive. So I want to close our time today just with an opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to stir, to speak, to encourage us, to challenge us. I believe genuinely that the Holy Spirit right now wants to send out many affirmations. That as you listen, I believe... He wants to say, awesome job. I mean, I, I, I see it. I see it in our church. I see it on Facebook. I see the joy that parents have in taking care of their kids. And I know nobody's perfect, but I know there is a lot of seriously wonderful parents and marriages and families and extended families out there in our church. And I believe God wants to say to many of you, great job the way you dig in. Great job the way you grandparent that grandchild. Great job the way you stepped in and you, you brought in that, that, that child that's maybe not even your own blood, but you welcomed them under your feathers 
and you love them as your own. All, all sorts of ways that I see our church family and, and, and genuinely know that God's heart is awesome job. So make sure that's a part of what you're hearing because I know that's God's, I believe and know that's God's heart for us. And then there's always the, the next step, the challenge of how, how can I say yes to what you're doing, God? What's the next step of growth in this area? Does my family get my best? What does it look like for me to put family first? What are some healthy rhythms of family interaction that God is wanting to help you establish now that just become part of your, your new normal? That bear good fruit in the family. That help you live out the reality of managing your oikos well. And remember, it's all coming from that connectedness of your own abiding with God and out into sharing the first fruits with your family. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the perfect example, that Jesus is the perfect example of the priorities of life, and that even though Jesus had so many important things to do, so many tasks to accomplish, so much to get done, that even he modeled First and foremost, making time and space, sacred space to be alone with you, God, and connect. And from there, to share his best fruit with his family. To strengthen, to build up, to bring life to his family. And then to take that out as a family on mission into the world. God, we pray that this vision from Jesus would be solidified in our heart. This picture would become our reality. And God, we ask right now, I ask that your Holy Spirit would just speak to each one of us. What is it that you want to say this morning? Maybe it's about the next step that you want us to take to establish those healthy family rhythms. Maybe it's just an awesome affirmation of great child. Great job showing my heart to your family. So God, we just give ourselves to you right now and ask that you'd speak. We're here, we're listening. Holy Spirit, come. I'll sing a new song. I'll sing a new song.